0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to God and All Things, where we discuss principles of Christ that can be found in both literature and film. And today we are going to have a great time because we're going to be starting our discussions of the Hunger Games series, starting with, of course, the first one, the Hunger Games itself. I'm very excited for many reasons, but we'll start off with the synopsis in case you are unfamiliar with Hunger Games or just need a reminder a little bit about what it's about. And then we'll get into our personal experiences with it.
1: Okay, so quick summary, yeah. Um, a war across North America has led to the destruction of national boundaries as we currently know them. Remaining is the all-powerful capital and 12 subservient districts, each in charge of producing various items for the whole. In order to keep the districts in line, the capital organizes an annual Hunger Games, in which a boy and girl are selected from each district to participate in a spectacular fight to the death. The coal miners from District 12 are too poor to put resources into proper nutrition, let alone training, for the games. Therefore, they are usually counted out of the competition. This year, however, the tributes are Katniss and PETA, and from beginning to end, they are unlike anything the Hunger Games has ever seen.
0: Great. So (laughs) there's that. Um, Get us all pumped. Um, So personal experience. I read these within the span of a week. In sixth grade. I think it was over Christmas break, and I read the first two in like two days, literally, and then the third one took me a little bit longer, which is why it ended up being a week because it was more like five or six days that it took me to read the third one. But I loved them. I was amongst those who just fell in love with them very quickly. The films came out, I think, a year or two after I read the books. And I really enjoyed those as well. Of course, there's always things that change. And so, especially at the time, I was like, oh, I don't like this or this. Um, But, I mean, I continued to watch the films growing up. The last time I read the first Hunger Games probably was sixth grade. There may have been another time I reread it um, a little later, but it wasn't that much later. Like, it's been still a really long time since I've read the first one. The second one I actually reread several times Um, And the last one I haven't reread at all. So this will be really fun to re-experience them, especially as an adult. And especially having watched the movies so many times enough to where, like, I know the movies well enough that I can compare, easily compare with the books. And I, so far, will say I think I, in some ways, do prefer the movies, but not in a, like, I know, (laughs) Um, I The
1: Glover Blasphemy. Yes, I know,
0: I know. (laughs) But it's not in, like, a I hate the books way or I was even bored with the books way. Like, I still really love them. I just feel like, I feel like it creates an entire experience when you do both. Because in the books you're able to gain a lot of background, particularly of characters. There's a lot more character development and we get the history and backstory of a lot of the side characters. Um, In the books that we don't get we also get a better understanding of how the capital works and more specific definitions of like things that are in the books so like mutts we understand better because of the books we understand the importance of what the mockingjay symbolizes when you read the book so there's a lot that the books add that i think is really important and make the movies even better but I think the movies are able to because it's not just Katniss's perspective; it's able to expand the world a little bit more mm. and make um, the overall stakes a little a little clearer because you're able to see those scenes like with President Snow behind the scenes or like Haymitch having an impact behind the scenes as well, and so it makes things a little bit clearer of what the plot points and stuff that are occurring to Katniss. So I feel like it creates a whole experience, and I wouldn't want to, like, only do one over the other. But I think the overall experience of watching the movies ends up meaning a little more to me. They just have such a good score. (laughs) And, like, the colors and the way they, like, mess with that, especially in the later three movies, like, so good. Anyway, so that's my rambly thoughts about (laughs) all of my experience with The Hunger Games. Awesome.
1: (laughs) I uh, read them. In middle school. I don't actually know if I ever read the last one. Oh, no. (laughs) I know I read (sighs) The Hunger Games. I feel like I read Catching Fire. And I may or may not have read Mockingjay. Okay. I uh, watched the first movie, definitely. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I watched the second movie, and I'm pretty sure I'd never watched the third movie. <laughs> I think to this day I have never seen the third seen and the first fourth movie. movies. Oh, third! Oh, is part it two one part? And two, yeah. yeah, I think I definitely haven't seen those. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, this is going to be all new to me. By the time we get to the end of the series, yeah. I got nothing. There were certain things I remembered from this book, but most of it was uh was a mystery especially like the little details you know yeah that's pretty much i'm not a ya person (laughs) i don't uh like i don't like young adult fiction um i don't i don't normally do it but i did thoroughly enjoy this but my my personal um favorite experience with this book i was reading it at work right Mm -hmm. and i didn't have a bookmark with me so i was just like reading in and then when a guest came I was like sticking my phone in there you know mm-hmm. then it like hides phone and keeps playing <laughs> <Yes>. uh-huh. <laughs> but then I was helping this little girl and she like left and I was like okay bye have a good day and then she walked up to me afterwards and goes do you want a happy card and I said what's a happy card <laughs> and she showed oh, me. cute <laughs> oh god loves <laughs> and I you said, Yes, I do want a happy car. So now that's been my Hunger Games bookmark is my happy that's car so from the little That is so work. cute. Oh that's my so gosh.
0: That's so perfect. Bookmark all of your God and All Things podcast yes. things with that.
1: She has no idea, but now she's like, she is my God and All Things bookmark. Oh, <laughs> and I wrote I, down her name and when she gave it to me oh, so that I can remember. So
0: cute. I guess for those of you just listening on the podcast, it says God loves you. Oh, yes.
1: Sorry. On there. Um, it's just a little, like, um, what's this called? Index card. Yes. That says God loves you in very childish handwriting. Yes. <laughs> it's just so, so sweet. So
0: cute. I love that so much. That's so perfect. You're like, wow, little girl. Yeah. You could just sense what I'm doing. <laughs> um, love that. Okay. So for specifically this first book, we will, like I said, we're going to do several videos discussing the Hunger Games series. We're going to do one for each book. So, look forward to that. So, today we're just focused on the Hunger Games itself, and the gospel principle we're going to focus on today is the Law of Sacrifice. Um, As an introduction, one of the first laws discussed in the Old Testament and in the Temple is the Law of Sacrifice. In those days, in the days of the Old Testament, it was associated with animal sacrifice, but even then, it was meant to bring the people to an increased understanding and relationship with their Savior. Today we have been asked to sacrifice what we have, who we are, and our very lives if necessary to the building up of the kingdom of God. This looks different for everyone depending on the plan God has for each individual, but regardless it provides an opportunity for us to prove to God and ourselves our faith and love for Him. And it it also explains that representation of the law of sacrifice, um, representation representation of Christ and the law of sacrifice in 2nd Nephi or no excuse me Alma chapter 25 verses 15 through 16 and I'm just going to do a couple parts of those verses I'm not going to read the whole thing but it says they did look forward to the coming of Christ considering what the law of Moses was a type of his coming the law of Moses did serve to strengthen their faith in Christ which the law of Moses very much surrounded the law the idea of sacrifice and sacrificing animals you know to repay for sins and that was very much a type or a symbol symbol of Christ who was to come and would be the ultimate sacrifice Um, And so today we want to, as we discuss the Hunger Games and go through the plot points and stuff, we really want to focus around this concept of the law of sacrifice because that's very central to this first book, which ultimately leads to everything else that happens in the series is how Katniss lives the law of sacrifice and how that inspires other people and strengthens them as well. Do you have anything specific you want to add before we get started?
1: Yeah. So in addition to kind of the like, you know, we, you have like the obvious, very physical, tangible sacrifices of like animal offerings, right? That we don't do anymore. I don't know. I feel, I guess I feel like when we think of sacrifice, we tend to think of very physical things, right? Mm-hmm. And then in the context of the Hunger Games, it's very physical things as well. We're sacrificing mm-hmm. bodies and objects and, and those kinds of ideas. Um, but one of the other things that is talked about with the law of sacrifice is the idea of repenting with a broken height, heart broken height <laughs> with a the idea of repenting with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, right um, and kind of sacrificing, I don't know, almost like our pride, I guess, but mm, that's yeah. um, I don't know if there's like one word to really encapsulate that, but yeah. I know that's another part of the. Of our temple covenants right and something that the prophets have talked about is the idea of sacrificing our hearts and our spirits mm-hmm. in repentance
0: I love that, and I think we do get hints of that with Katniss in this. Oh yeah, um, and <laughs> like a few other characters as well that I'd like to mention. But I think further on in the series it becomes even more apparent. I agree that they're sacrificing that. Let's just start with the beginning—a very good place to start. Going back to *Sound of Music*. <laughs> Go watch that episode if you haven't. Yes, it's a great one. <laughs> I really enjoyed that discussion. So, and you guys will too, probably. <laughs> um, so, anyway, let's start with the beginning and the. Beginning Beginning, we're starting with Katniss and her family we're really just getting to know them and then Gail her f- best friend and who is also sacrificing for his family and we see very quickly um one of the first notes that I have at least is actually just on page nine of my edition we see that Katniss kind of has this idea of sacrifice a little bit in her blood, because one of the first things we learn about her parents is that her mother was a wealthy woman. She was part of a wealthy family in the town. I mean, as wealthy as you can get in District 12, which mm. is relative. But um, for their town, she was very wealthy, but she ends up giving that up for to marry Katniss's father. And it even says, Katniss explains it, she says, she must have really loved him to leave her home for the seam. I try to remember that when all I can see is the woman who sat by blank and unreachable while her children turned to skin and bones. I try to forgive her for my father's sake, but to be honest, I'm not the forgiving type. But we see very quickly that she comes from kind of a lineage of sacrifice for for a principle, for something that's more important. And she has a hard time fully probably fully understanding that because she's in survival mode and so the idea of living a lifestyle where you're fed and safe and then not only leaving that but then ending up like becoming lost the way her mother did after losing that thing that you sacrificed for like doesn't make sense to Katniss especially at this point um I think eventually it starts to make more sense to her but um we do see just in that moment that it is in her blood to be willing to sacrifice something that seems really important and life-saving for something that you believe is more important.
1: We um I like that you said that it's it's ingrained in her even though she doesn't really understand that. I yeah. think that that's really key to her at the beginning um actually on page nine of my edition (laughs) she there her and gail are hunting in the woods and it's when gail tells her that they could leave and run away from Mm -hmm. the district right and it's like she says i don't know how to respond the idea is so preposterous (laughs) she's like she doesn't even and she talks about how they have to take care of their families right Mm -hmm. and that's immediately where her brain goes she's like we couldn't do that she makes the joke if we or he makes the joke if we didn't have so many kids talking about their siblings and parents and yeah it's just like this idea of like i have to be here like i can't just leave the sacrifice is so ingrained in her that she doesn't even recognize that there is another option (laughs) that she could just go
0: like it's just immediately a joke in her head yeah like yeah there's no way obviously not
1: and then they play off of the um, the his joke about kids, right? And um, and she says, "I never want to have kids." And he goes, "I might if I didn't live here." And she says, "But you do." And it says that she's irritated, and it's kind of another really interesting thing. Um, where she she talks about how, like, Gail will kind of ramble on against the capital, and he's, like, really angry against mm-hmm. the capital, and she's kind of not, because it's yeah. just, like, this is how it is, and that conversation shows that to me, mm-hmm. you know, where she's like, you do live here, so it doesn't matter. And I kind of see that as an interesting way where another thing that she's sacrificing for her family and to survive is her ideals. Like, mm-hmm. she kind of sacrifices the idea of having any ideals and believing in anything bigger than getting food on her family's table Mm -hmm. and she just kind of ignores that
0: and it's almost like she's sacrificing her ideals for herself because Mm. she knows like getting away would be great but she knows her sister couldn't handle it and she knows her mom can't handle it either frankly and so like that's what stops her is that they want to be able to be okay like they're going to be more okay staying Than leaving even if there is that one chance that Prim could end up in the Hunger Games that like is still better than the alternative to her like she and so for her her ideals would be going to the woods and living there like she'd be beyond happy to do that if she could but she um, is more focused on the ideals of the ideal lifestyle and living situation that she can create for her family
1: yeah yeah that's, um, that's actually a different way of reading it than what I was referring to. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like that really? too, but, um, I meant ideals in terms of like thing, like something to fight for, mm-hmm. like how Gail wants to fight against the Capitol and okay, be angry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she kind of gives up that, you know, that kind of, I don't know, that fight which I only bring up because I think that's going to change later on. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> where she where she stops being so willing to, and she has to sacrifice in a different way. That's later. Yes, on. But, yeah, uh, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> but I think it sows that seeds right here, where right now she's almost sacrificing for the sake of the capital. Like she's she's giving into the capital for the sake of her family. But yes. there's like these underlying layers here. You know, mm-hmm.
0: like she's not quite willing yet to risk her family
1: for yes. the ideals yeah exactly but i like the, i do really like the idea of that ideal lifestyle too mm-hmm. where like she's giving up what could be perfect for her for the sake of yes. others
0: the other people around her
1: yeah i think it's interesting too uh i read one talk called between two gardens by um I'm going to say this wrong, but uh Monte J broth. Uh, <laughs> it was a BYU speech from 1996. And it, it kind of talked about uh, the sacrifices from Eden, the garden of Eden to the garden of Gethsemane. Right. Mm-hmm. And where um, after Adam and Eve left Eden, they built an altar to make sacrifices. Right. And that's when they were doing those burnt animal offerings And then that was fulfilled in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, (laughs) where Christ uh, sacrifices his life for us. And it is kind of that ultimate sacrifice that all of those previous sacrifices were in similitude of, right? Mm -hmm. And so I kind of liked this connection to, it's almost like District 12 is like her lone and dreary world, where Mm -hmm. she, uh, she has to make... These kind of daily, really, like she's killing animals. She's, you know, she's going through that same process <laughs> yeah. of killing animals to feed her family and making all these sacrifices to hunt in the woods, putting herself in danger um, of being, you know, killed any day um, for hunting, and uh, and then that ultimately leads to her sacrificing herself for her sister, and it's kind of this more Gethsemane type sacrifice mm-hmm. where she is giving up her actual life for all intents and purposes to save somebody else, you know, to, to in place of somebody else to basically redeem Prim from that. Right. And I think it's cool that all of the sacrifices that she makes before that moment and leading up to that moment are really what prepare her to ultimately win in the games. It's because Mm -hmm. of those years of trials and difficulty and you know of having to hunt of her dad being gone and her mom abandoning her emotionally and physically i guess too (laughs) in a way Mm -hmm. um not the way we normally think of abandonment but uh, neglecting yeah, yeah neglecting her um it's all of it's the the sacrifices that come from those challenges and everything that she considers a hardship in her life that leads her to be able to make that sacrifice for prim successfully and come back from it it's this very like savior you know she like makes a sacrifice and then accomplishes it and comes back from something that nobody really expected her to and i just i love that whole (laughs) that whole concept
0: i love that a lot too because i feel like we actually see and i won't get too much into it because it is later books okay (laughs) but um she does further develop from like She does do the sacrifice for Prim, but eventually she starts sacrificing for the whole world, basically. And so it becomes even more of a type of Christ in its own way. Her story, because she moves from, you know, sacrificing these smaller things, moments, energy, um, things for her family to sacrificing her life for her family and for her loved ones. And then she ends up sacrificing a lot for the greater good. Yeah. And for everybody, which is, it just gets bigger and bigger. So yeah, I guess moving into, I guess we'll really quickly mention going into her sacrifice for Prim. Yeah. And her, the reaping. So that is the next plot point. So they all gather around. We have the reaping. We meet Effie Trinket, who's just a, she's a delight in her own way. You start (laughs) off kind of hating her because of what she represents, but... As you get awesome. to know her, <laughs> she starts to show a little more emotion. And you also just kind of, like, you realize, I feel like she's a very good representation of the capital as a whole, as far as, like, all these people. Like, by the end of the series, again, don't want to get too much into it, but um, they end up focusing, Katniss focuses primarily her anger on Snow. Because I think, especially with Effie, she realizes that a lot of them are just misinformed and, like, they just don't understand.
1: She's just so childlike. Once you realize Mm -hmm. how truly ignorant she is, it's almost hard. And I think Katniss feels this. She kind of expresses it throughout the novel Mm -hmm. where it's almost hard to hate her. She can be annoying like a kid Uh can be annoying, right? But, like... You can't hate a kid for not knowing stuff yes, right? <laughs> for not
0: understanding what they've never had the chance exactly. to understand.
1: Yeah, she and just doesn't so even get it. Yeah, she can't love her like the way that she loves Katniss, can't love Effie the way that she loves somebody like Cinna who's mm-hmm. like aware, you know, yeah. and kind of makes a greater effort to understand and get close to her. But yeah, she you can't hate Effie. <laughs> yeah, you just
0: can't. You can't. So we get there, we meet Effie. They, of course, choose the ladies first which is like every time they say it, like in the movie when she's like ladies first and you're like this is not where we want to say that like that's not comforting <laughs> like she acts like she's like show respect because ladies first right. but like they're being chosen to go to their death, pretty much. Like that is not no. Go ahead and choose the men first. I don't care. Like, but anyway, so thank you we for go that in. Honor you know, uh, thank you. But she does end up picking Prim's name, even though it's only in there once. And Katniss goes off talking about how she had done everything she could to protect her sister from this like it talks about the tesserae um which is basically that they put in their name to get a year's supply of i think it's oil and wheat and something else water maybe um and so if they put their name in one more time then they can get a year supply so every year they're able to do that and then they have to put their name in once for each person in their family that they're getting it for so they'd get a year supply just for themselves and then they have to put their name in again to get it for their sister and their for her mom. So every year basically her name's going in four times between the obligatory one and then one for each herself and her mom and sister.
1: And they're cumulative.
0: Um, And it so just accumulates. Every yeah. Every year there's four. There's more, more and additional. More and, more and, more. <laughs> and Gail's doing the same thing for his family and he has like what like five or six brothers like he has a lot yeah, he has like a big family something or whatever so yeah is the, uh-huh. yeah i think it was like 50 something okay. and yeah anyway so both of them are sacrificing that and she is like there was literally one slip with my sister's name so the chances were so slim that she'd be picked but it didn't matter because she did get picked like the chances don't matter anymore <laughs> after that which i think is very telling i guess about like ourselves our experiences with sin and with poor choices and things and the pain and suffering of like you know everything we give ultimately something's going to happen that's bad in our life multiple bad things are going to happen in our lives whether our own doing or not and at that point it doesn't matter anymore whether or not our chances were slim to get cancer or whatever the case may be um and at that point often our next step is to do something in line with coming into Christ because there's no one else who can help us. The statistics don't matter anymore because we won the lottery, so to speak. And that's what she ends up doing, just to sum up the rest of the scene, and then we can continue talking a little bit more about it. She screams out Prim's name a couple times. She pushes through the crowd and then pushes Prim behind her, um, before saying, I volunteer, I gasp, I volunteer as tribute. And it explains that after the name is read, you are allowed to volunteer. And whoever's the first to say, I volunteer, is going to be the one who does it. So she does this and Gail comes and has to pull Prim off of her. And she is now the female tribute from District 12. So very intense scene and makes me cry every time I watch <laughs> the movie with it in particular. Yeah. They just do such great things with the music and when the music's not playing mm-hmm. and so in that movie moment in the movie it has no background music or anything you just see her freaking it's out and do it emotions. and it just goes like everybody goes silent for a second right after she says it and just the way they did it so good yeah. and it literally like i don't even have to watch the whole movie if i see a clip of it it's something i start my i start tearing up every (laughs) time so good anyway yes it's a really powerful scene that just starts off that whole theme of sacrifice throughout the whole series
1: yeah i think it's interesting too though you talked about it doesn't really matter because your lottery is up right it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what the chances were anymore but you can be More or less prepared for that moment when that bad thing comes, or, um, you know, whether it's your own doing or somebody else's, there. I mean, I hate to admit it, but (laughs) the number of times I've been on my knees and said, Heavenly Father, I pray to you multiple times every day, and I read my scriptures every day, and I go to church every week, and I have a calling, and I do FHE, and you know, and like all of this stuff where I'm like. I can list and list and list the things that I sacrifice for you. So why is this happening to me right now? Mm-hmm. Like why do I have to have this trial right now? And um it's such an easy thing to th- even if you banish that thought, like it's so easy for it to be like why. And and the fact is like your lottery's up. It doesn't it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. But if you've been doing all of those things, if I am in that place, it's much easier to say, I know that you still love me and I know that this is going to be okay and it's going to end. And I know what scriptures to read to bring me words of comfort. And I know that I can turn to you in prayer and that you're going to answer me and comfort me, you know, and you have, and I know that I have this church to fall back on and these people here to support me. And um, it just makes it, different versus when you don't have any of those things in your life. And I think that goes back to Katniss kind of being prepared. She's been prepared with her challenges for that moment when the lottery was up and when it was her time.
0: Yeah. And I think building off of that, that actually reminded me of this really great story. So I read um in preparation for this a an article from Lily It was actually a snippet from a talk given at BYU in 1996 or something so it was a while ago um, and then this article came out in like 2000 something by M. Russell Ballard and he talks about how brother Truman G. Madsen um, was spending time so he is it looks like he's a kind of professor from BYU and just a scholar I'd assume just a um, church scholar And he was making a visit to Israel, actually, with President Hubie Brown, and who was an apostle, and in the first presidency a couple times, it looks like. Anyway, Brother Madsen asked President Brown while they were on this trip, um, what are the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? And after a short moment of thought, President Brown answered posterity. And Brother Madsen wrote that he, in one of his books, that he felt the need to say like then why did Abraham have to sacrifice his son? If their blessing, if their miracle, if what the covenant meant was that they would have posterity, why would he be told to sacrifice his son um, even if it didn't end up happening? He says it was clear that President Brown nearly 90 had thought and prayed and wept over that question before. He finally said Abraham needed to learn something about Abraham. I feel like that's very telling about this situation particularly for Katniss it doesn't always work out this way when we're asked to sacrifice something or to suffer something that requires a sacrifice from us but a lot of the time I think the reason why we have to go through it is because we have to learn something about ourselves so we can be further prepared for even more things that we can do in the future which in Katniss's case like this is a moment where she has Katniss needs to learn something about Katniss and I think that's what really goes through this whole first book as she needs to learn things about herself before she's able to accomplish and help accomplish the things that occur in the later books. Continuing on with that same scene, because I do want to mention a few other things that occur. So, first of all, we have after she volunteers, we have um, the salute, the three-fingered salute, and it describes um, in my edition on page, oh gosh, I think it's 38, 28, excuse me, it describes this signal as being an old and rarely used gesture of our district, occasionally seen at funerals it means thanks it means admiration it means goodbye to someone you love and we've already discussed a little bit about who she is before she makes this decision and she actually talks a lot about how everybody loves prim like she's constantly like oh yeah everybody just loves prim like they tolerate me but they all love prim and I think even in this moment they feel that way I mean she feels that way about everybody but you kind of get this hint in that description of what this symbol means that Everybody likes Katniss, too. She's just kind of... Katniss. She's <laughs> yeah, different. Yeah, she's just very much one that she's survival mode. She doesn't really care what other people think about her. But she also, like, just assumes people don't like her. And I think which... she gets
1: respect for those... Th- like, people exactly. recognize that she's <laughs> taking care of her family. Yes. And they recognize that she is talented and that she seeks a fair deal and mm. doesn't ask for more than that. Like, she does things that garner respect while not Mm -hmm. really recognizing that people have fondness for her because of that respect.
0: In her mind it's just survival. Like she's just trying to survive and they're all just trying to deal with it and so she's just doing what she needs to do but to everybody else they recognize that there's something in her. They see her sacrifices every day for her family and so um, that moment where she gets that salute is a really big moment for us as a reader to recognize that This district has seen something in her that is important and that is impactful, impactful enough to use. It's not just like some signal in their district that's like used for loved ones, even it's a rarely used thing. And in this case, it's kind of, it's extra sad because she's, they see her as going to her death. Right, she For gone. this, like, they don't expect her to come back. But they do want to show that respect, which they don't, it's not like they do that every year for everybody. And just the fact that she volunteered for her sister, like, I think that was part of it. But I think they also are like, that's just who she is. And so they want to show that respect for her. And so we see how just her, she naturally... Is the type of person that people notice what she does, and that she just naturally has a good heart that people recognize and respect.
1: I really doubt many people were surprised by that, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Knowing everything we know about Katniss and the way she handled things in her community, I bet people were like, "Oh, yeah, that's really sad, Mm -hmm. but that makes sense."
0: (laughs) Yeah, which is why they salute because they're like, "Yep,
1: that's That's you, Katniss. That's who she." The the biggest mystery to me, like, honestly, that will never be answered in this novel is when PETA says at the interviews that lots of boys have crushes on her. (laughs) Since we're talking about, like, how people in the community feel about her, I'm like, do they, though? (laughs) really because, or is like, that just part, part of the, the thing yeah. yeah because he's obviously telling truths right like he has been in love with her like he's telling truth, but he could be exaggerating things mm-hmm. and we know that people like her in the community we know gail has a thing for her but like do lots of boys notice her it's possible but yeah. she's kind of intimidating mm-hmm. it's unlikely a lot of boys would approach her Yeah.
0: true <laughs> but
1: true. it could also be just like him furthering the case for her at the interviews I don't know anyway Mm -hmm. it'll it'll never be answered but I would love to know if all the boys had crushes on know. Suzanne Collins if you're listening (laughs) yes seriously let us know when you wrote that
0: was it like legit or was it just it's so hard with PETA because he's so good at the psychological game that he he mixes lies and truth so very well flawlessly. Uh, so you're like i don't know but i i'd like to believe that they did have an interest in her like that i like to believe that it was a conversation in the school katniss was a conversation topic in the school <laughs> right. amongst the guys like i can see it like i could see, see it, it too it, but yeah. i also could see like him even saying that and like yeah, getting, making the truth more than it actually was as far as, like, yeah. he sees her with Gail all the time. Right, and he's like, there's one boy so who has like, a crush yeah, on her. Yeah, there's a, there's
1: And one. she pays a lot more attention to him than me, so... Yeah. So,
0: clearly, there's guys that like her back then. Yes. Um, or is the guys that like her literally him and Gail? <laughs> like, you know, like, like, Lots of boys. Uh, yes. All
1: the important ones. The yep. only ones you have a name for. Exactly.
0: The only ones that... <laughs> Should matter to you to have a crush on her. So then, okay, so then we get into Peeta. Oh, gosh, I love Peeta. And I feel like he, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why he and Katniss just end up working so well. I don't think, like, if they hadn't gone through the Hunger Games and everything else, I don't think they would have been right for each other. Because I think Katniss is just...
1: she's too much for They're him. just, yeah,
0: I just don't think... Like, I think he could have been fine with her... I think she would have had a hard time with him. Okay. But not necessarily because he wasn't as good as her. I just think that she is a little more judgmental yeah. and she looks down impatient. on people who
1: ha- who don't know how to take care of themselves, yes uh-huh. and she sees him as somebody who can take care of himself
0: yes like she points out many times in this book a lot of things that he doesn't understand because he's grown up in a relatively wealthy household yeah. and he has been okay although she does find out that maybe his life wasn't as great as she thought it was yes. but, but again took he's still better off yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yes exactly so I don't think they would have ended up working early on, but after everything, they definitely are great. But I think part of it is Peta also, and I think why Peta would be able to handle her better than she would be able to handle him at the start of this, as far as like a marital relationship would go, mm-hmm. um, I think it's because Peta does understand sacrifice mm. for something beyond survival. Because Katniss, like we've mentioned, Katniss doesn't really understand that yet. She doesn't understand the idea of, sacrificing survival things for something Something else bigger Uh even just sacrificing survival things for her family for something bigger but Peta does he's already on that path and so i feel like that's why he would be able to handle her better because he would be more understanding that way and be like you know there's you're more important to me than this or this or this
1: where she couldn't do that and so um he's just so ridiculously patient and understanding he could handle anyone (laughs) seriously
0: he is so yeah and we see very early on that he has this sense of sacrifice i mean right away with his bread story the boy with the 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 bread bread. (laughs) (laughs) um he Ends up, so just to summarize, basically what happens is she's basically on her last leg. Her family's going to die. Her father had passed away um, like a month or so before this, mm-hmm. a couple months before this. She's literally and collapsing in the street. Yes. like this <laughs> From is, starvation. She is out looking for any scraps she can find for herself and her family because they're all going to die soon. And her mom's completely shut down emotionally. And so she's not doing anything and so but she knows that her and her sister will be taken away from their mom if anybody finds out what their mom's doing or not doing and so she's yeah out looking for scraps she's basically thinking i'm gonna die in the next day or two if i don't get something and so is my sister and so she's wandering around nobody's giving her anything she has these baby clothes of prims that are all raggedy and nobody wants and finally she ends up at the bakery which is where Peta's family is his dad is the baker of the town and the mom comes out and sees her and yells at her to get no. away from the trash can and then a second later katniss is walking away but she ends up hearing some shouting and looks back and Peta comes out um and he's clearly been hit and she he was yelled at for burning the bread and he comes out and the mom tells him to feed it to the pigs because that's the only one who will eat it. And he is going to, but while he doesn't even look at her, it says he just is looking at the pigs, but he just throws it out towards Katniss instead. And we find out later that he did burn the bread on purpose um, in order to give it to her. And his the hit from his mom actually swells up the next day and it looks really bad. But we see very quickly that he's willing to give up um, part of their family's livelihood. His, he's willing to let his mom hit him. In order to save Katniss, who, a girl who he doesn't really know that well beyond just observation, which is just only gets you so far. Sorry, everybody. <laughs>
1: hey, no, he's uh, in love you know. with her oh, at yes. that point. He, he fell in love with her at five years old. Kay. Yes. so he's <laughs> Serious observation. Yes, it's
0: true. It's true. But ultimately, like, he only knows so much about yeah. her. No, for and, sure. And, like, to be willing. It's one thing, like, it's a crush at this point, really. So, like the fact that he's willing to do that just shows a lot about him.
1: Yeah. Um. It it is also a person's life, though. So yeah. even if it was, I feel like, just from what we know about Peeta, it's likely he would have done the same thing for anyone. Yeah. It makes it more meaningful that it's Katniss. But if we really think about him, I think that he would have actually been willing to take a hit from his mother for anybody mm-hmm. dying in the street to throw bread at them. Mm -hmm.
0: Which I think goes back to the idea of him understanding sacrifice in a way Katniss doesn't yet. Because he knows that what's really important is the people around him in general, not just himself and his one or two
1: people he loves. Yeah. Which he's probably been able to learn simply because he has better circumstances. Because if you're in that mode of trying to feed your family and that's it, I don't know if you really can learn any other kind of sacrifice. I think so, it takes a lot
0: more courage to do it,
1: yeah. And as a child, I mean, like she just how do you even <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. like, i don't I don't know. It would be very impressive for her to to learn to care about something other than not starving. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so absolutely. the circumstances that she kind of looks down on PeTA for also kind of give him that ability to learn kind of the superior law the superior sacrifice
0: Mm. so yes we can move on now (laughs) sorry we had to dwell so much time on that those scenes because they're just i mean they're very pivotal to the story obviously for obvious reasons so um moving on into the train we have we end up meeting Hamish a little bit more we already have kind of seen him (laughs) fall off the stage but um this is where we really get to know him and it's important i'm glad that they established very quickly that he won the games before because that makes everything he does more understandable if you keep that in mind that he's won he's been in the games before as a child like when he was a child he was in the hunger games <laughs> so that's going to leave a mark no matter who you are i'm like as an adult something like that is going to leave its mark but as a child going into that like you're going you to bear the scars on? for ages especially yeah. when we learn later on especially in later books that like after you win, you're still being used in other ways, yeah. um, by the capital, and so it's just trauma after trauma. But I love Hamish. The only thing I really have specifically as a note on him in this, but that I do want to bring up when we discussed like the idea of sacrificing a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Um, sacrificing our pride i feel like haymitch does that so well so we meet him and he basically is like so you're gonna die so too bad and he's very i think that's the other thing oh yeah that we also need to remember is not only did he win and he suffered the traumas after that but also he has seen kid after kid die
1: every year he trains every year two new tributes
0: that die that die and gets close to them like you think of how close you feel like he is to katniss and pita by the end of this portion, even if he's not trying to, they're like, spending
1: hours yeah, and hours together every meal, sleeping in the same places.
0: And there's a lot of pressure on him. That's kind of like you're supposed to tell us how to stay alive.
1: Yeah, like so he has to.
0: Like he has to, and like it's the responsibilities on him. Like these are just kids, yeah, who need his help and his advice. And if they don't get it, then like they are going, they to, are die. going to die. <laughs> But either way they're just dying. And yeah. so um definitely some anyway. conflict between yes. personal
1: guilt and anger at everything about his situation. Yes. Around uh-huh.
0: It. And just the PTSD of it all, yes. that just that yes. psychological aspect too. No, so Amish, like it's Amish just is... such a it's understandable yes. basically why he's a drunk.
1: Most of us would probably be like, a lot like him yes. if we're being <laughs> real I, honest. Honestly, there's
0: like I mean, we can get more into that ptsd ways of methods of treating it and like coping with it i guess is a better way to say it but i'm like there's a lot of ways but Hamage is a very strong way that i think a lot of people yes. would fall into alcohol is a pretty
1: common one. i'm like later on like PTSD. i said we
0: see a lot of like pretend like denial a lot of anger from some of the other people who have experienced similar things mm-hmm. but for Hamish going in the drink and becoming sarcastic and bitter. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Unfortunately. So also, we also learn later that he was in the 50th anniversary, the quarter quill then. And for that one, they had double tributes. So he also was in a games where there were double the amount of kids dying.
1: So... (laughs) Even worse. So... He was, like... He
0: participated in that one? Or yes. T- okay. He participated. That's the one he won. Okay. It was 25 years ago in the 50th one. Well, 24 years ago at this point. But okay. anyway... So makes it so
1: even more impressive. Yes. That he's, he's an impressive even person.
0: ...hasn't, like, offed himself or something. Cause or that seriously. he survived it. Yes. <laughs> that too, yeah. <laughs> Had to survive but, yeah. twice the number of kids. Yes. Anyway, so... We see that, and then PETA kind of is like, Okay, I'm gonna go talk to him. Katniss is like, It's useless. Like, she's <laughs> just like, Ain't gonna do it. Cause she doesn't do other people right now like yeah. on a personal level she does not do other people and so she's just like okay whatever, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> i'll figure it out myself that's what i have i've always done whereas pete is like no we need we need the help so he goes and talks to him he ends up Hamish later comes in after dinner looking nice i guess this is actually after they've already gone to the capital and they've arrived there. Um, and so Peta and Haymitch have had discussions I can't remember if this is after the I think it is after the um, girl on fire moment where she has the dress and stuff yes it is the chariots I do want to talk about this this is after they've already had these conversations and Katniss notices that he's about as sober as I've ever seen him <laughs> Um, he doesn't refuse the offer of wine, but when he starts in on his soup, I realize it's the first time I've ever seen him eat. Um, maybe he really will pull himself together long enough to help us. And that small moment is such a great moment of sacrifice, having talked about everything with Hamish that we were talking about giving up your pride. I think in his case, he's giving up his fear mm. and giving up his trauma to help these kids and setting that aside and i don't want to like suggest that that's a simple thing to do or that anyone can do it or anybody should necessarily that he's perfect you're the yeah exactly (laughs) like he's still dealing with it and everybody has to deal with their trauma their own way and their own timing i just mean he's also had long enough that he's in a position where he's probably much better able Mm -hmm. to find a way to cope with it in a way that will allow him to help them because it's been like 20 over 20 years since that early trauma has happened so I do want to make that clear because yeah anyway but I do think that he sacrifices a lot to be able to have the strength to help them and that it's amazing to me that he was willing to do that because I don't think a lot of people would be in that situation so yeah
1: no that's a really good point and I think that I mean, it definitely helps that they kind of pr- have proven themselves a little bit at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, probably most of the tributes he gets are like scared little like uh yes, uh-huh. <laughs> whereas he's kind of seen, you know, he's gotten punched in the face by Peta and had the knife thrown by Cadmus, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and then the chariots make them look really good. And so I think he sees something in them that makes him willing to make that sacrifice, which makes it a little bit easier. But um, yeah, I think that it's a really good point that that's a really, really difficult and scary thing to do, even if you can do it. Choosing to, you know, um, being able and willing is really impressive. And so I just think that I'm really grateful to have Christ in our lives, to be able to help with that process. Yes. uh That is a factor that Hamish was probably missing. But Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) could have helped him a lot, I'm sure. But being able to, you mentioned um, he gave up that fear and that uh, trauma. And I, you know, I just, I kind of wanted to finish that sentence a little bit, like giving it up to Christ, you know, uh we can put those things in Christ's hands and he'll help us carry them.
0: Mm-hmm. alright so then moving back to PETA really briefly um, at least as far as before we get into the actual g- Hunger Games themselves um, so PETA there's this great scene where they're having um, interviews with oh what's his name Caesar Flickerman the newscaster played, <laughs> by, played by Stanley Tucci in the films and he does an amazing job um, we love Stanley Tucci anyway and so we have this interview sequence where where each um, of the tributes are being interviewed by Caesar Flick- Flickerman just for a couple of minutes, and Katniss is second to last, and then Peeta's last. And with Peeta, um, we have this moment where he basically admits to everyone that he has a crush on Katniss. We kind of touched on it earlier. And Katniss is, like, so thrown off by this. She's so confused. Because, again, she just cannot believe someone would like her. Like, she has the hardest time believing that people would like her. Which is just so interesting to me. But she, um, and that's really what stems. In fact, she turns it into, oh, he must be trying to use this against me. Yeah, um, But we quickly quickly realized that Peta did it because he wants to encourage sponsors to appreciate her. He's doing it so that she stands out enough. So that people notice her the way they should in order to give her th- stuff in the games that will protect her. And I think it's really nice because, I mean, it's not like he's sacrificing anything serious but he is sacrificing a little bit of like himself like his he's being very vulnerable oh, yeah. like to say that on tv whole, in front he's sacrificing of
1: sacrificing dignity Yeah. millions of people vulnerability like, like how many of us j- just like openly admit when we have a crush on someone yeah <laughs> especially in front of everyone in front
0: of everybody who knows who she is yeah Like, and obviously it kind of... Katniss ends up thinking that it was just a play for her. Yes, maybe. She's a little unsure about that. But she, like, still thinks it was a play. Like, she doesn't think that That he actually likes her. (laughs) Like, that almost doesn't even cross her mind. Like, very, like... Briefly, does she think maybe he's telling the truth? But most of it is, is like she's thought. like he's either using it against me, or I guess he is doing it for me, even though I think it's weird for some but reason. Like, who knows? Yeah, hamich told him to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hamich told him to maybe to get both of us yeah. up and up because it does make him but... look good too. Yes, I mean when he, he's the like because
1: he's going for likable, right? Mm-hmm. So he's the likable lover boy, and everybody's yes. like, oh, the boy yeah. next door, and it kind of works because yeah. even now we're all like, oh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So, I mean, you know, Pete is so good at the psychological aspect of the games. Like, because he's, he is a very genuine person anyway. So, like, he just puts that in himself but then like he also knows how to word things just right and time things just right Mm -hmm. to make it so it has the greatest impact um but he's still just a genuine person so it all just works for together for his good but yes he does have a very vulnerable moment in this moment and so i appreciate that we see very quickly that he is making sacrifices for katniss still during these games like you can see, if you're paying attention, especially on a reread, you realize that everything he's doing is for Katniss to survive. He doesn't expect to survive himself. Yeah. And he kind of straight up says that a couple times, but, like, there's a part of you, especially on a first read-through, from Katniss's perspective, you're like, mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. Like, come on, you kind of are trying to survive for yourself, but really everything he does is ultimately for
1: Katniss more than himself. Yeah. Um, And we see that going into the games, he sacrifices a lot too, in ways that she continues to think he's working against her, but ultimately Uh it's all just for her. (laughs) And even in the
0: end, that he's working for the love story to get that going. Right. But, like, it's, like, legit, like, it's for her. (laughs) Like, it's not just for the story behind it. And so I really love seeing that in PETA, and even when we go into the games and see um, him join the careers, it, and he also does it, like I said, he's just very good at the psychological game, so, like, he's doing these things that are ultimately for Katniss, primarily for Katniss but he does the right things to make it not look like it's for Katniss because right. I think part of him knows how the capital would respond to that that they wouldn't treat it favorably ultimately and could cause problems for him if he's showing them that he cares more about Katniss than he does for himself within the Hunger Games where it's every man for himself. That's the whole idea behind it. (laughs) Yeah, it's less fun and it's not the idea that they're trying to perpetrate through the Hunger Games. They're Mm -hmm. trying to perpetrate this idea of like you know, humans become animals when they enter war, and that's why we don't want another war. Um, And you have just enough hope that like, ooh, my child might get out, and so you're less likely to fight back, because there's just that enough hope that you're like, oh, well, they could still get out. But ultimately, their whole idea, and I think, um, and eventually we'll talk about the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, too, but that's where it's a lot clearer that that's their ultimate goal, is to show that war makes animals of a of us all so you don't want to rise up against us to start a war because
1: that's just gonna it'll turn into one giant hunger exactly games. <laughs> exactly
0: and so the idea of PETA going completely against that idea and saying you know I this is who I am yeah. and I care about Katniss I'm, I'm gonna die yes. and try to
1: make sure she lives. I'm not gonna turn into an
0: animal I'm still <laughs> yeah. gonna maintain my humanity at least on some level
1: right
0: um the capital would not be down for that. <laughs> so that the things he does for Katniss in the games are to make it seem like it is for himself, but they're calculated just enough that they actually help Katniss more than him. So yeah, we see him um, work with the careers, and um, we also see him going against Cato actively after the tracker jacker scene when Katniss is hallucinating and Kato and Pita run up and PETA tells her to get out of there and then fights Kato to slow him down and then that's when he gets his injury to his leg. So we see a lot of this throughout, which again goes to show that Pita's well aware of what sacrifice means, especially sacrifice for true sacrifice for people you love. It's just yeah, it's just a very powerful thing to watch and I just love PETA. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, along with that, before we continue on to the next point, I did want to read this quote that's actually by Joseph Smith about the principle of sacrifice and the relationship with it between it and the principle of faith. It says, let us here observe that a religion that does not require the sacrifice of all things never has power sufficient to produce the faith necessary and to... Life and salvation. It is through the medium of the sacrifice of all earthly things that men do actually know that they are doing the things that are well pleasing in the sight of God. And I think that goes to show that something is much more valuable and it becomes much more important when you're willing to sacrifice for it. And I think that is a power that PETA gives to Katniss as well is that because he's clearly willing to sacrifice for her it makes people pay attention to her and what sh- who she is as well, which spurs on a lot more later on as well.
1: It makes sense, yeah. If he's willing to give up so much for her, then she must be worth something. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: All right, so then we go into Rue. Everybody cry really fast. Mm. Moment of silence. Moment of silence for <laughs> Rue.
0: We have gotten to know her a little bit. She's kind of followed Katniss around, and you get the feeling probably part of it is because she saw Katniss volunteer for prim and so there's just kind of an intimate trust already there for her of like this is someone who volunteered to save her sibling and rue's the oldest in her family so it probably made her think i think it was less about like oh i'm the same age as prim like maybe she'll protect me i think it's more about she's like i'm an older sister and i I would would do do that that too Mm -hmm, exactly and so, so i can trust someone else who would do that
1: Basically. And then Katniss sees Prim, so then there's kind of that mutual yes. <laughs> connection uh-huh. there. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting that Katniss. I mean, it's kind of this. It's kind of this conflict, right? Because mm-hmm. Katniss sees Rue as Prim. You know, she makes these connections right off the bat, mm-hmm. right, to kind of her size and age. And then Rue's named after a flower as well, right? Yeah, or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, like there's she's just she very clearly associates Rue with Prim and feels this inherent trust and this need to protect her. Um, and so it's like you can make sense of the fact that she's drawn to her and decides to protect her, but then there's also this inherent problem where Katniss knows that any kind of relationship with Rue is only going to make her life worse. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. she knows that it has to lead to heartache, right? Starting with just the fact that I mean she says that she knows that Hamish would be upset with her. Like mm-hmm. she imagines Hamish rolling her eyes that she chose the 12-year-old little girl yes. to ally with, right? Mm-hmm. And that right there, like she knows that she's relying on Hamish for sponsors, for gifts, for all kinds of help, right? So right there she's like sacrificing potential favor from Haymitch, who she thinks doesn't like her anyway, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. to hang out with Rue. And then on top of that, um, she's putting herself in a vulnerable place, knowing that she'll protect Rue if they get attacked together, right? Mm-hmm. And then she's putting herself, even if you took it to the extreme and said that they were the only two left, I genuinely don't think I could tell you what Katniss would choose to do. I don't know it mm. I don't know because part of me wants to say she could never kill Rue like how could she I don't do think it she could. there's no way mm-hmm. but then somebody brought up the argument to me what if she thought about Prim mm. and having to go home and take care of Prim and like this is my chance to get back to Prim and take care of my family mm-hmm. and so it's like And, I mean, ultimately, I don't think that she could kill Rue either, but that means that she is sacrificing her family for Rue, for this random little girl, you know? It's like this, she's putting herself in this super difficult position Mm -hmm. where she is sacrificing... So much vulnerability, so much she's sacrificing to make herself want... You know what I mean? Yeah, there's just... And then it ultimately... It does lead to heartache anyway because she gets close to this girl and, they, and like, sees them. It's almost like they create a little mini life together, you know? Yeah, They're, like, uh-huh. sleeping just together a, and like finding long, food and yeah. whatever. And then Rue gets killed and it's devastating to her, you mm-hmm. know? And so it's just... Kind of like PETA with those interviews, you know, where he puts himself in this vulnerable position, except with Katniss, it's a life and death vulnerable mm-hmm. position. And um, and she ends up suffering because of it, but she's still willing to do that. So I could almost see it as like a transition stage. We've kind of talked about how she's willing to do anything for her family, but it kind of ends there. Yeah. Now we have somebody who reminds her of her family but isn't part of her family, and she is willing to kind of put herself out the exact same way. So it's kind of her first opening up to making herself vulnerable for someone else. And I think that was possible because of Rue's similarities Mm -hmm. to Prim.
0: And I think the fact that she's from a different district is also expanding her vision to Mm -hmm. what's actually happening in her country. Like, it's not just her family struggling anymore like she's realizing it's everybody yeah and that something really does need to change
1: and maybe other people worse than her Mm -hmm. you know she talks about how the peacekeepers there are like way less lenient than the ones in Mm -hmm. her district
0: yeah absolutely and so she starts to expand her understanding in that moment to see in a broader sense what really is at stake and what potentially principles and ideals and ideas are more important than what she thought it was before. Um, Just as a tangent, I think that she would, I don't think she would be able to go home and face Rue, face Prim having killed Rue either. So I think ultimately, because I think in her mind, she'd also probably be like, you know, everybody loves Prim. She'll like, lose. I mean, she went into this <laughs> thinking she was probably gonna die anyway. Right. So, like, she's already thought it through and like Gail, she knows Gail will do what he can for her and oh yeah, and before she left, PETA's dad came and talked to her right. and said, I'll watch the little one. So it's she true. knows PETA's She knows Peta's dad even death. and other people in the district are gonna take care of Prim. Um, So I think ultimately, I think she would have been willing to die for Rue to get her out of there because that's just who she is. And I think that would turn her into a martyr and she still would have accomplished what she ended up accomplishing in a lot of ways, at least would have kicked off something. So Anyway, that was a tangent,
1: but I just felt like I had to make that little argument. No, I completely that I agree. Think that,
0: but I don't think it would be an easy decision, necessarily. Yeah. I think it would still, still be a, major a lot sacrifice. out of her. It is a major sacrifice. Okay, so we have Rue and Katniss as allies, and we see Katniss do a bunch of little things to sacrifice for Rue. In this moment, she sacrifices her food for her. She sacrifices her sleeping bag to help Rue stay warm and feels all guilty that she's had the sleeping bag while Rue's been just yeah. leaping in trees with her just her jacket in this cold area. And then, unfortunately, we do see Rue pass away. Um, And it's really heartbreaking. Like I said, in the movies, they just know how to play that music just right to make <laughs> you just sob. But it's a really sweet scene. It also does it amazingly. Just kind of a, another cinematic note. I really love how they have it from Rue's perspective when she's passing away. Like, it has, like, the cameras in her perspective. I just think it's very impactful and i also think it helps us connect with seeing katniss from an outside perspective a little bit more because obviously most of it is from her perspective pretty much it's one thing to like like yourself versus and how you feel about yourself versus how you feel about another person if that makes sense like if we're in katniss's head we're kind of thinking about her as like not like we're her, but kind of, you know, like we're For right sure. there with her, yeah. Um, as opposed to having Rue kind of viewing Katniss singing the song to her as she passes away. is just very impactful to be able to see why people would rise up because of Katniss. And I really like this because getting back into, I mean, up until now, Katniss has given up and been willing to give up a lot of physical things. Her life, which I mean, Is that a physical thing? But anyway, that's a whole other (laughs) abstract conversation. Um, But she's given up her food. She's giving up her sleeping bag. Those are the things she's giving up. But now we see her start to give up something more that's a part of her. Specifically, Rue asks her to sing hurt into her passing which is just so sad and she talks about how her throat is tight with tears hoarse from smoke and fatigue but if this is prims i mean rue's last request i have to at least try we see her say after rue has passed she's just thinking about Pete's words back before the games where he said you know i want to i wish i could come up with a way to make it so that they know that they don't own me that i'm still me that they can't change me and she starts to understand she says for the first time i understand what he means i want to do something right here right now to shame them to make them accountable to show the capital that whatever they do or force us to do there is a part of every tribute they can't own that Rue was more than a piece in their games and so am i um, and this is where she gathers up armfuls of flowers and slowly one stem at a time I decorate her body in the flowers covering the ugly wound, breathing her face, weaving her hair with bright colors. Um, I step back and take a look at Rue. She could really be asleep in the in that meadow after all. I press the three middle fingers of my left hand against my lips and hold them out in her direction. Then I walk away without looking back. So she's sacrificing in this moment even her family's safety in a way because she's starting to kind of stick it to the capital like PETA is trying to. It's this moment where this is really a moment that sparks a lot of what happens in the fallout and it's because she's showing that she's willing to sacrifice everything to show that the to prove the cap- to the capital that they can't win, yeah. that there's always something that they'll not have with their people, and that's who they are, and the kind of humanity that actually is in them, even if they try to ignore that by putting them in the games. And it's just a really beautiful moment, I think, for Katniss. Again, that whole Katniss needs to learn something about Katniss. She needs to learn that she is actually a very principled person yeah first of all more than she realized in fact um does have those ideals yes exactly she has them and they are important to her she just needs to be in the right situation to be able to force her to face that um and take that on and back to this article that i've been referencing it discusses it's actually a um a talk by Elder Russell M. Nelson back when he was just of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. In 1987, actually, he gave this talk of the lessons from Eve, and he talks about how the laws of obedience and sacrifice are indelibly intertwined. As we comply with these and other commandments, something wonderful happens to us. We become more sacred and holy, more like our Lord and I think oh yeah and he also says our highest sense of sacrifice is achieved as we make ourselves more sacred or holy and I think this is a big moment for Katniss and she has many more but I think this is a big moment for Katniss where it's a sacrifice that's intertwined with a type of obedience as far as obedience to her beliefs and principles that she does have and that's what makes this moment so powerful as it goes beyond just her normal sacrifice, it's about something bigger than herself and even bigger than her family, which is just empowering to her and ends up being empowering to a lot of other people as well.
1: I had a very similar comment about um, kind of obedience and I love, I wasn't sure how to bring it in, mm-hmm. but that's perfect, where um, I was kind of reading about like that combination of obedience and sacrifice, mm-hmm. right, and how they work together. And I was like, in my note, I wrote that she has to grow willing to sacrifice her safety and the safety of her family, like you talked about, right? In order to do the right thing and fight that kind of bondage that the capital is putting on them, which uh, I think that we can see in ourselves sometimes in uh, social settings where... Sometimes it can be kind of scary to stand up for the things that we believe in mm-hmm. when they're different from the people around us. But we have to kind of break free from, from that and what people want us to do and, mm-hmm. uh, and sacrifice in that way, sacrifice kind of our comfort and safety in that way. Um, but then I was thinking it feels kind of backwards because she's like being disobedient <laughs> to <Yeah>. the organization. <laughs> yeah. But the organization is the ones in the wrong right mm, they're the yeah. un they're mm-hmm. an unrighteous organization that is doing the wrong thing and so by being obedient towards her her um her principles her values and sacrificing for those she's ultimately like upholding the right thing and upholding mm-hmm. um righteousness and then i also didn't want to brush over um her, uh I wanted to go back to her song a little bit because okay, yeah. you talked about mm-hmm. it, but I think that it's just so impressive. This is something that has been, like, the hardest part for Katniss throughout this whole time, right? Like, leading up to the games, kind of all the preparation in the capital, her biggest struggle has been letting people see her because she just kind of, like, wants to hide away, right? Yeah. And for the mm-hmm. interviews, Haymitch is like, I don't know what to do with you. Like, don't make them hate you. (laughs) Ultimately (laughs) he's like, I have no idea. You're nothing. What are you? I don't know. And she's (laughs) like, I don't know either. (laughs) Just here, man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, um, and so she's like struggling. And so then Cinna tells her, you know, just like be honest. And she kind of uses the sarcasm to like make people think that she's funny. And she also, she kind of becomes this like sarcastic, funny character. Right. Yeah. But then at the end of her interviews, what, Caesar Flickerman is kind yes. of saying such a ridiculous <laughs> name. Um, so he, Caesar asks her about the reaping and about her volunteering for Prim and she shuts down. It's, Mm -hmm. like, instant, right? She's up there, Mm -hmm. like, giggling and twirling and having fun and then she's like, nope, yep, it was hard, bye, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) And it's been really hard for it's really hard for her to open up to people because that's the part that she doesn't want to sacrifice right yeah where Peta says i don't want them to take my humanity that's what i want to hold on to she doesn't want them to take her family Mm -hmm. shocker yes (laughs) Mm -hmm. um that's what she's unwilling to sacrifice to them and so this moment where she opens up where she sings that song from her dad as if she's singing to prim it's this very like this is something that she would only do with her family Mm -hmm. right like this is something she would do for prim and that's it she says that she doesn't sing this ever since her dad died right like it's actually a point of trauma for her Mm -hmm. where her dad's sang, and since her dad died she doesn't sing and and so i just think that i just wanted to bring attention to like yeah. how big that how much of herself she's giving in that moment when she sings to rue
0: i super appreciate that that's great <laughs> um yeah it's such a big turning point i mean it's the climax of a lot in the book um i mean there's a lot of other oh, lots climaxes <laughs> there's lots of climaxes but i think as far as a transition point yeah. Um. And I think if we're looking at rising and falling action, I think it is a climax on its own of just seeing this moment where Katniss starts to change. Yeah. And I don't know if change is the right word. I think it's more like she begins to
1: understand herself better mm-hmm. she becomes in a way more that's positive. Yep. Mm-hmm. Of herself and like you mentioned before, the world around her. Yeah. She's just generally, yeah, her understanding yes. is increased. Yes. Uh (laughs) In a very important way. Yes. Thank you, Rue.
0: Yes. Thank you, (laughs) Rue. Your sacrifice your sacrifice it meant something uh, um especially because katniss let it mean something yes Katniss Um, goes on
1: to make it more
0: and then okay this is a very small thing so we don't need to dwell on it too much but i do want to mention it because it's probably on this reread the one moment that i actually cried reading the book okay um i mean rue's death is always sad but i mean like i said the movie just does things in a way that just work with the music and everything um but the one part that did make me cry in the book and i think i mean also i went into it knowing she was gonna die and win so it wasn't like it was surprising so yes the moment that impacted me that does have to do with sacrifice as well is um she gets not long after rue passes she gets a parachute. And she says, I open the parachute and find a small loaf of bread. It's not the fine white capital stuff. It's made of dark ration grain and shaped in a crescent sprinkled with seeds. I flash back to Pita's lesson on the various district breads in the training center. This bread came from district 11. I cautiously lift the still warm loaf. What must it have cost the people of district 11 who can't even feed themselves? How many would have had to do without to scrape up a coin to put in the collection for this one loaf? It had been meant for Rue, surely. But instead of pulling the gift when she died, they'd authorized Hamich to give it to me. As a thank you, or because, like me, they don't like to let uh, debts go unpaid. For whatever reason, this is a first, a district gift to a tribute who's not your own. And then she says, my thanks to the people of District 11. I want them to know I know where it came from, that the full value of their gift has been recognized, which just, I can't even read it without, like,
1: feeling the sting
0: of tears. But it is beautiful just thinking about, like, she's talked to Rue a lot about how hard it is in Rue's district. Just, I mean, the starvation that Katniss already experiences. They also have peacekeepers, like we mentioned earlier, that are more strict, and so the fact that they were willing to do that for Rue in the first place, but then to have them then give it to Katniss, where they could have like taken it back and given it to someone in the district who needed it or anything like that, but instead they decide to let Katniss have it as just a sign of their appreciation for what she did. Um, and it's really the start of us seeing how widespread her actions, how Im- how widespread the impact of her actions really is. Um, because, like she said, it's the first time that's ever happened that a district has sent in a gift for someone not in their district. And so, yeah, like I said, made me cry. And I like, too, that she makes this sign of, like, this means a lot to me. This sacrifice means a lot to me. And I like the way it's written, too, because it's very reminiscent of... The way the scriptures treat Christ's sacrifice, mm. of the recognition of the depth of that sacrifice and how we are seeking to do that as well. I mean, it's a very, it, in some ways, it's an odd comparison, but just the language used right. made me think of Christ mm. and That's how cool. little, and just the idea too of like prioritizing. Like, she didn't have to say thank you or anything, but she felt like it was really important that she did so that they knew that she knew. Mm -hmm. And I think like everything we do in regards to Christ and the gospel should be in an effort to show gratitude for a gift and a sacrifice that we can't repay and that had a greater depth to it than we could ever understand. Okay, so that's it for Ruth. So then we move into where they find out that Peta and katniss can win together so exciting (laughs) um and this is when i love that you know rue's her first moment of really sacrificing for a greater need outside of herself and her family but our next moment is with Peta because there's several moments i mean first of all the fact that she stays with him despite the liability that he poses now Um, with his injury he's basically dying he can't move and when he does move he's really loud
1: Uh, she puts herself in a super vulnerable position physically uh, she even
0: says like you know I found him and like I'm here with him I can't just leave him but like the thought does go through her mind like I would have a better chance of surviving without him yeah. right now.
1: But she um, runs to him. That's the part that yes. I think is so cool. Mm-hmm. She finds out, she gives away her position. <laughs> I know. She shouts his Shout, name. <laughs> and then like immediately takes off to go and find him, yes. even though she knows that he's been injured this entire time. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like, okay, like I don't I want I think it's that it has to go back to that inherent sacrifice that we talked yeah. about at the beginning. Like mm-hmm. she just If she she finds out that they can both survive, and so it doesn't even matter what the liability is, Mm -hmm. she has to make sure they both survive. Mm -hmm. She knows how to survive. He doesn't. She's going to go make sure he survives. And I just... Uh It's just part of her whether or not she understands her reasons for it or not yes and then uh-huh. i think she has a little bit of a crush too, i was gonna <laughs> say i think she's kind of falling in love with already at this point it's yeah. so
0: funny reading the book too that was one thing that was driving me crazy reading this was the amount of time she's like yeah like peter's just fine like i don't know how i feel about him well i don't know maybe i, I don't think i like him I just We're just trying to survive. I don't think he likes me. Well, maybe he does, but I don't like him. And I'm like, girl, you so like him. Shut up.
1: Like, it's so It's a obvious. complicated place to have to work it through your emotions. So. But I am
0: like Katniss. Again, Like Katniss is just still learning things about Katniss because yes. I think she doesn't fully realize that how driven by love she really is. Yeah. For um, sure. And, and I'm how like,
1: other people are. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yes. Uh-huh, <laughs> she exactly. doesn't even recognize that Gail, like it, it's kind of this like, Oh, like something romantic with Gail. Nah. No. And obviously Gail is obsessed with this. Yes, uh, but she's
0: like, oh, we're just trying to survive. Yeah, like that's her that's whole all. mindset. She doesn't um,
1: really. which is understandable.
0: It. Yes. But like the amount of times that she freaks the heck out, like with the <laughs> berries, and she thinks Pete is dead, and like freaks out. I'm like, that yes. is not fake. Yes. You were not doing that for the camera. No. Like she you couldn't. were if
1: she tried to do that for the camera, yes. it'd be terrible. And it was
0: not. And it also was not, like, she has a few thoughts of, like, you know, if I was in the district and I saw someone on the TV, like, be able to save so-and-so, like, I wouldn't be proud of them if they didn't. Like, she acts like she's worried about what people back in her district will think if she does certain things, but I'm like, nobody reacts that way to someone they just kind of, like want to protect for some like for a general like reputation like no like you don't have to
1: scream at him over the berries for your district to like (laughs) you and like yeah in a district where you don't care what anybody thinks about yeah
0: honestly honestly (laughs) so i'm like you clearly love him but anyway she does sacrifice a lot for him just with him being a liability um, he she's uncomfortable with injuries and illness, like that's a big yes. no no, but she takes a lot of I time. I know that she's like, No, I have to do this for yeah. him. Um, where she easily could have been like, I don't know what to do, sorry, yeah. like I don't like this, I'm uncomfortable. She wants to
1: vomit and run away, mm-hmm. and she just stays and deals with it and just
0: deals with it. And that takes a lot of strength, yes. I don't know if anybody else has issues with illness or injury oh cariana does (laughs) look at that perfect I, i it depends on the thing for me but that's fair
1: like, as soon as you start yeah. talking about pus, You're like, absolutely not. <laughs> I can't do it. Oh, I can't gosh. do it. Like, when she describes draining the bucket oh, of pus, yeah. I'm like, okay. oh no, so oh there's gross. no <laughs> way. So gross. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> I'm really sensitive to the smells. That's what gets me. Mm. So like, if there's vomit around me, I will vomit. Like I can't oh, clean up. Those. I can't gosh. clean up somebody mm. else's vomit. Like it, the Just description it. of Hamich falling in his vomit. Like I actually gagged <laughs> a little bit just in that oh, no. so anything that like starts to smell really bad that's what I'm like oh mm, <laughs> that's rare and I'm sure I'm out. does not smell very good right yes. now I think
0: it even says that he doesn't
1: yes she says she can S- smell the festering flesh yes. and I'm like gross <laughs> <laughs> <"Ugh." laughs> no way I'd be vomiting all over him and then oh, I'd gosh. have no food and no water and I'd die
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Kariana would need to leave him if she would survive <laughs> um, so yes oh yeah and then she is willing to risk her life for the medicine as well yes. i mean he is willing to risk his life to not let her go <laughs> to not let her risk her life it's a big mess and eventually it kills
1: me <laughs> he's too he, stupid she, for thinking I that she's know. not gonna figure Seriously. out a way to go
0: and haymitch sends yes. her the cough medicine the cold medicine yes. to make him fall asleep which is so sad when he looks all betrayed. You're like, oh. I'm sorry, Peter But also, go Katniss. <laughs> like,
1: when she's like, like, I know what I've done is unforgivable. I was so scared. And then they got back together and he had forgiven her. And I was like, so okay, we're fine, we're actually. Good, we're good. And I, I was pretty nervous. And I love that
0: moment, too, because I think that's an o- another moment of Peta sacrificing his own pride. Mm. It kind of reminds me of with Frozen, where Kristoff is like when they're running from the earth giants and he's like what What do you need yeah and instead of like complaining about what he needs to complain about like it has pita like she goes and pita's like being gentle with her and nice and stuff and she's like oh he's forgiven me but then of Few paragraphs later, he does bring it up and is right. like, Okay, I'm kind of upset that you did that to me. But like, he starts off being like, Okay, make sure you're okay. Yeah,
1: it's not the thing, and that like, show right gratitude.
0: Now. Like, I appreciate what you've done, but also then we can have the discussion. Right. And I really just is a good sign of how healthy PETA is as a, as a guy. It's great. We love it. We also see a little bit more having to do with sacrifice and rue with Thresh um mm. coming and letting Katniss go just he says just the once for the little girl and I love that little glimpse of the Thresh's character because in the movie he says for Rue which is sweet but just the fact that he says the little girl shows us that like he is living the way tributes are supposed to like he doesn't actually know the who Rue is yeah. he doesn't know anything about her it's not like they got close like Katniss and Peeta are an exception yeah but he does have enough heart in him still that humanity that the capital is trying to pretend isn't there that he's willing to repay Katniss in some small way knowing he doesn't know obviously what happened with Rue as far as her death but he knows that Rue liked her and he overheard some conversation about Katniss choosing Rue as an ally and that she decorated her with flowers after she died and so that's when he decides, Okay, I'll let you go this time. Yeah. Um, which ultimately saves Katniss's life. Yeah.
1: I do Um, love that it shows that humanity. Like the Capitol, mm -hmm. he's this like he's one of the like big tank guys, right? But the Capitol Mm -hmm. wasn't able to turn him into just a broom, you know? It still Mm -hmm. shows that
0: humanity. Like the divine Like that divine spirit within us. That's another thing we could have talked about with this. is That there is a spirit within us that can't be overcome by the natural man if we don't let it. Yeah. And we see that not just in Peta and Katniss, but in a lot of the other characters as well. And then we do see some characters who choose to give in to the natural man or woman within them and choose to prioritize that. But even then, there's still like, as we move forward a little bit, we have obviously the End and Cato and their fight with him. And he becomes very pitiable he recognizes that he became something that he didn't actually want to be and the fact that he recognized that and says something about it shows once again that there's still that divine spirit within him yeah that's fighting back He sees it, mm-hmm.
1: and it is that kind of makes it more poignant that the capital turns all of the dead tributes into like Ugh, the mutts yes. it's like this literal you're trying to fight back, but we can literally take your humanity mm-hmm. away from you. Yeah, and so, but then it's almost like sorry to jump to the end really fast. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, it's uh, it's it's kind of interesting that the capital like does that really like sharp contrast, right? Like we're taking humanity away. You are dogs, and you will do our bidding. But then Katniss and Peeta still ultimately win by being willing to die with each other yeah. rather than... Mm-hmm. By showing their humanity. Yeah, yeah, Rather than doing that final like succumbing into what the capital wants. And so it's like the capital thinks that they've got it. They think that they've shown it with this final um with this final like technological like show of strength but then katniss and Peta ultimately like they haven't taken their humanity yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so they they win because yeah. they they chose to mm-hmm. is ultimately what it comes down to
0: yeah i love that and i love that you brought up the mutts um that whole situation and that connection because I mean, first of all, that's so it's grotesque. Awful. I hate it. I know, I had forgotten. I mean, I remember a little bit. I had remembered a little bit about that because in the movies, they just have them be like weird looking dogs, mm-hmm. which I'm like, I don't know how they could have done it in a way that would have made sense because um, unless they had one of the characters say something out loud. Right. Which Katniss but does,
1: I think, in the book. She so does. She points well, it out. She, so. she
0: kind of does to Peeta, but it's more like, it's her. But right. So it's not very That's clear. True. That's true. So they could have made it clear, but I feel like it would have been corny at that point if they had been like, Probably. look, it's... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, so I understand why or they, they didn't have do had it. it and, just, and I also think yeah. it would have made it... Harder to keep it PG-13, which was what they were trying to do. Right. Um, it's pretty was, dark. With a lot a of it, was idea. trying to yes. keep it PG-13 and not go into R, rated R stuff. Yes. But anyway, I did want to mention too, along with that, um, this is a paraphrase of Revelation chapter 12, verses 9 and 11 from this article. And it's a very short little quote, but I think goes along with everything that we've talked about Um, And it says, it is by the blood of the Lamb, Christ's atoning sacrifice, and our testimony that we are able to overcome Satan. And that's what, in in essence, in a symbolic way, what Katniss and Peta have that enable them to overcome the capital, um, both now and in the future, is their willingness to sacrifice what needs to be sacrificed to show their humanity. Not just, like, I think... We talked a lot about katniss sacrificing for for survival but i think what made her human was her willingness to sacrifice for her family and then but then she becomes she goes deeper into more of her her humanity as she continues to sacrifice for other people which is what christ did yeah. and so that symbolism of christ sacrificed for others Um, not for himself, and then Katniss and Peta also have these principles and ideals that they hang on to in the end. In the end, Peta and Katniss both hang on to their humanity. That's what they're holding on to, is the idea that we're not pieces in this game. We're not animals that they want us to be. We are human beings, and we're worth something. And so we are going to be willing to sacrifice ourselves, not because the Capitol is telling us to, but because we want to show that there's more important and bigger things than what the Capitol is telling us. And one of those things is that they can't control us, that we're still us, yeah. um, which is just a beautiful, beautiful way to spur us on into the rest of the series, really.
1: So um, I wanted to kind of bring it back to the idea of a broken heart and a contrite spirit and talk a little bit about Katniss's relationship with her mom throughout mm. the book Okay, um, yeah. because and I think that I again we know that I don't remember everything about the series <laughs> or even if I've read the whole series mm-hmm. but I, I, I know that this continues on into other books but we're not going to be talking about the law of sacrifice with the other books so yes. I want to give it its highlight here absolutely um, mm-hmm and then you know just acknowledge that it continues on um to uh yeah so i was reading a blog post by somebody called i think it's called um Klee clutch it's a Tumblr oh. account okay. um but uh yeah so he wrote this whole kind of post about Katniss's relationship with her mom. And he goes through all three books, but I'll keep it to The Hunger Games. And so it's just kind of this idea that Katniss is very unforgiving towards her mom, right? Mm-hmm. And she's kind of unwilling to come up to her with that Broken heart and that contrite spirit, right? She's unwilling to forgive, and so at the beginning, she said at the beginning of the novel, she says, "I've tried to forgive her, but for my father's sake." But to be honest, I'm not the forgiving type. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I thought was interesting that this blogger wrote was that she like makes it part of her identity that she doesn't forgive, you know, Mm -hmm. and so she makes it this key part of who she is. Even though she like obviously still loves her mom, like she thinks about her mom a lot. She utilizes lessons learned from her mom. She talks about taking care of her mom and Prim, right? It's this package Mm -hmm. deal. And then on the train to the capital, Katniss points out, she says, now I was going to die without that ever being set right. Like Mm -hmm. thinking about her mom and her relationship, right? So there's Mm -hmm. this desire For forgiveness and kind of repentance on her part, you know, but she's, she's not, she's not there, right? What I thought was the most interesting was at the very end um, when Katniss wakes up after, after winning, like (laughs) she's been unconscious and she says, My mother's hand strokes my cheek and I don't push it away as I would in wakefulness, never wanting her to know how much I crave that gentle touch, how much I miss her even though I still don't trust her. And so I think through the process of The Hunger Games, The Hunger Games starts to break her heart because obviously, right? Yeah. <laughs> the Hunger Games mm-hmm. is kind of breaking down everything and making her look at things in a different way. And so it's it's kind of, it's forcing her to kind of break open and be, be vulnerable in the ways that we've discussed. And it forces her to reimagine her whole identity. You know, we've talked about her becoming more aware of the people around her and the world at large around her. And at the very, very end of the novel, when they're headed back to district 12, finally, she's on the train and she says that she starts to think about home and she goes to change out of her dress. She says, as I slowly thoroughly wash the makeup from my face and put my hair in its braid, I begin transforming back into myself. Katniss Everdeen, a girl who lives in the seam, hunts in the woods, trades in the hob. I stare in the mirror as I try to remember who I am and who I am not. And so it's kind of like the whole thing has broken her down and she's being forced to rebuild herself back up into something new. And I think it gives her that opportunity to kind of come at her mom with that broken heart and that contrite spirit. And um, and that will continue throughout uh, the rest of the story where she's able to finally forgive and repent of that, you know, harboring those kind of ill feelings for so long. Right. And so I just thought that that was, I like that. I think that's an important part of the law of sacrifice. And so I wanted to, we brought that up a little bit before, but I wanted to kind of go back to it and talk more about kind of repentance and forgiveness and how that plays into Katniss's story as well.
0: Yeah. I really like that. And I think that leads great into kind of a last thought about the law of sacrifice and what it means and what it represents. And um, it comes in the fulfillment of the law of sacrifice, which is explained in Alma 34 verses 13 through 14 by um, Amulek, the prophet Amulek is speaking. It says, therefore, it is expedient that there should be a great and last sacrifice. And then shall there be a stop to the shedding of blood Then shall the law of Moses be fulfilled. And behold, this is the whole meaning of the law, every wit pointing to that great and last sacrifice. And that great and last sacrifice will be the Son of God, yea, infinite and eternal. And I think that just wraps it up nicely. Like ultimately, all of these things are to help us grow closer, closer to Christ and understanding what he did. And ultimately, his is the sacrifice that will make the biggest difference. Um, in the fictional worlds and in our real worlds, primarily in our world, world, in our real worlds, is there anything else? Any other thoughts you had? Yeah. Okay, so I think that's great. Thank you all again for joining us for another wonderful discussion. We hope you enjoyed your time with us. Keep remembering to see God in all things, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.